I think that people that do this job just remember that they also have emotions and sometimes aren't perfect and sometimes break down and are triggered when they see things just as much as the normal human being is as strong as they need to be in certain scenarios, they still deal with it. And also the last, the next thing is, is remember that these people have families and their children have to deal with these, hmm. these emotions as well. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. We're live. Oh so my <laughs> nervous, eh? All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast. If you're tuning in live, uh, glad to have you, or maybe you're watching the live right afterwards. I finally got my dang numbers down for the live versions of these. So this is going to be episode number 275 with a very special guest. And I say special guest because when I started working for FDN, probably just about three years ago now. Uh, it was very shortly after that Bria and I were working together um, doing Clubhouse. So shout out to anyone who remembers Clubhouse. It was funny because I was explaining this to my fiance, Maddie Bree, the other day. I'm like, oh, I, I know Bree when you had messaged me. So I was telling her yeah. all about you and like we used to have so much fun on Clubhouse and Maddie was like, what is Clubhouse? And so that just shows how niche it was to like the business and entrepreneur community. Like this is Average person that uses social media doesn't know anything about this. And so we logged on and it is, um, it's not quite what it used to be. I'll put it that really? way. Would it, would it recommend? Uh, just like music channels. Very, very strange. Um, and, I, and most of it's not English. I couldn't figure it out. So we do have a, a cool episode today. We were going to do this in the past and, you know, things just, my gosh, it's crazy how fast time can fly. I was looking back and it was like April of 2021 uh, that you would have been on. But quite frankly, I'm really glad that we did wait all this time because now the podcast has been built. Uh, you get a real audience here now. Not the biggest in the world. We're not Mark Hyman, but enough that it actually matters and people are really listening and, and you can make an impact doing what you're doing. So it's cool. There's also a special topic today in general that we wanted to sneak into September. So if you're watching or listening rather to the audio version, we did the best that we could. Uh, we did get it live uh, on the video portion for the um the topic, but you guys will understand that in a second. So I'm going to read Bree's bio. And what's really going to be funny about this is very stupidly, once again, if you guys were on yesterday by any chance, I did not edit the bio to be in the third person. So hopefully I can pull this off. All right. Her name is Bree Austin, and she is the mama to two boys and two fur babies. Her husband, uh, husband and her reside in the Bay Area of California with her little family, and they love anything that brings them outdoors. She firmly believes that being in nature every single day, totally agree with this, will heal all things and that the body is meant to heal naturally. She's extremely passionate about holistic health, thinking outside the box, always challenging the norm and helping people break down their own barriers through the functional and holistic lifestyle to unlock the magic that lies within them. She's been an FDNP since 2020 and has had the honor of working in a variety of different niches. Uh, niches. niches. It's so what? funny that I say it. It's not only that other people say it differently every time. I say it differently every time. Today, I'm going to choose niches with some really amazing clients. She's gotten to work with people who have been exposed to toxic mold, high-level corporate folks, and all kinds of athletes, to name a few. About a year and a half ago, she made the difficult decision to step away from her practice in order to handle a personal matter that her family and her have been working through over this time. In addition, she wanted and needed to take that time to just be a mama to her 10-year-old uh, boy and now seven-month-old little baby boy. As I've worked through, or as she's worked through, see it got me, as she's worked through what the last year and a half has presented in their life, she's realized that now more than ever, the world needs FTNs. Very true. She's decided to return to her practice with a new purpose and mission, an even deeper passion and motivation to help people and a specific focus that was born as a result of this experience that her family and her have been dealing with. Her hope is to meet everyone 
is to meet everyone that my story and message resonates uh, with. Okay, I'm screwing everything up. I know what your journey is. I, I almost made it with the third person stuff. Forgive me, guys. So when I say third person, for those that don't know, because this is trickier than it sounds, I so don't think I'm stupid. It means that the bios in like my name and I, and I have to like automatically shift it to she, her, and stuff like that. So, Bree, just welcome to the damn show. But Yay, we're glad to have you. <laughs> I didn't even know you were going to read all that, so I'm impressed. Yeah, well, we got to let people know who we're talking to. So, um, we usually ask a, a specific question first on the show, but I know that there's also a particular purpose in you wanting to join us today, and I'm very happy with it because you know it's a space I'm super passionate about. Yes. Um, so when it comes to the mental health thing and what's going on in September, can you just give us a brief background on why that's something you're super passionate about? Yes. So for those who don't know, September is Suicide Awareness Month. Um, and I'll say on a general space, uh, suicide has become something that I've become extra passionate about, particularly within the first responder and military um, personnel space uh, due to something that happened to us personally in our immediate family over the last year. Um, so dealing with that has been an eye-opening experience, uh, both leading up to it uh, when it happened and and then after and how we've been pulling through. So yep. um, that's why we're here. That's why I'm here. And I, I just, I really want to help and be of service to the people however I can. Yeah. I greatly appreciate it. Um, obviously, you know, I'm in the mental health space and it's it's really complicated. So just because I know, Brie, it's like we both see that there's many sides to this. We understand that mental health sometimes is very much needing functional medicine. Other times you do need a damn therapist, man. You got to talk to someone like there's many things to this. Uh, but what is it's scary, but also motivating for me is that when I've been in like schools giving a talk, Brie, mm -hmm. I know by definition, there has to be someone in that audience that is struggling with some type of depression, suicidal ideation, that the cause of that is the same things that it was for me. Like this is a biochemical thing. It's inflammation. It's something that if they change the diet and get these things uncovered, those thoughts go away. And that's not theory because that's what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think about it, like how many people have lost their life, never realizing that there was there was other answers. So the more we can share that, that's where the motivation comes from, right? That's a heavy thing to say and to accept. But when we can realize that there's something to do about it, it leads to unlimited passion, unlimited energy to share this stuff. And, and that's what we'll do today. So before we get into the main mental health topic, first question on the show that we always ask is when the individual's health symptoms started and what they looked like, because I know you've dealt with your own health stuff as well. Yes. Oh, okay. Me. I don't like yes, talking you. about <laughs> Um, but I'll try. So my diet, like we don't use the word diagnosis, but I say my like experience started, honestly, I couldn't tell you when, but when I noticed it, it was like probably 10, 15 years ago, I started to feel like gut issues in high school, all through college. I had really bad gut issues. Um, and then really most most, uh, sorry, I'm like seeing these messages pop up on the side. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Most like recently, probably like seven or eight years ago is when I really started like feeling some serious craziness, like some like dizziness and numbness on my left side. I was experiencing vision changes. I was slurring my words. I couldn't remember like names of people in my family. Like I couldn't remember where I parked the car. What I'm 37 now. So however long ago that was like, I feel like that wasn't normal for that age. <laughs> and I was a single like mom. Normal for a lot of ages. Yeah. <laughs> I, like at the time I, I was a single mom at the time. So maybe a little longer than seven years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I'm not really doing a great job with the timeline, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's like when all of it starts. So lots of stress with a strenuous relationship, um, really toxic, unhealthy. Then I had a baby and then we were living in mold. Come to find out, fast forward a few years, we were living in mold directly, like like to the point, Evan, where we were holding pots and pans to like catch the drips in our roof from the rain. Oh my gosh. With my baby. <laughs> it was crazy. I didn't think anything of it at the time. Who does, right? That you don't yep. know any better. And you're just like, oh, okay, like there's a leak in the roof. I'll put a pot there to catch the water. Right. So I lived in that house for two years. I then moved to another house for ten uh, two years after that. Also had mold there. Um, wouldn't remediate. Had this house remediated that we're currently in for two years. Uh, and we're now moving to Colorado for the air. Nice. 
Like, I give up. I'm out. <laughs> I give up. I give up on California. So that's kind of really in a nutshell what like happened. I, I um, had been able to kind of heal through FDN um, and some supplementation and just changing my lifestyle for a while there. And then I got pregnant. So I was not able to do, which was great because I think I got pregnant 10 years apart from my first one because I was able to heal through FDN with the mold and, uh, you know, heavy metal toxicities and all the things that were going on. Um, and then as I got pregnant and wasn't able to detox anymore as normal. And then now that I'm breastfeeding, I am not able to detox. So now living in mold and breastfeeding and all the things I'm definitely like starting to feel all that stuff again. So I'm here to say that it freaking works and when we can do it and stick with it because it's truly a lifestyle change and it needs to be con like continuous, not just like change a few things here and there and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you need to find ways to continue your FDN and lifestyle changes in order to like maintain optimal health. Yeah. And again, I know we're here mainly for the, the mental health thing, but I'm still, yeah. I'm kind of fascinated by this. So again, we can keep bullet pointing it if, the, if it's okay. I'm yeah. just always, it's one of my favorite questions to ask on the show. I am so fascinated by how some people make this paradigm shift and become open to more of the natural thing. And I don't mean this in a, a judgmental way at all to people who don't, but the reason I'm fascinated by it is because I saw uh, my aunt several years back, she passed away from cancer. My aunt, uh, objectively speaking, and I say objectively because it was like a whole thing in my family. She had her IQ measured by the school system when she was young because she did so well. I mean, objectively one in 10,000 type of IQ. And so as smart as you can be, because the reason I mentioned that is you'd always think, oh, well, maybe people are just smart, but she was as smart as you can get. She had yeah. two kids that she loved and she has a husband that she loves. She's a great family. And she took it, I mean, literally to death, this idea that I'm not changing the diet, I'm not doing these things and didn't see the validity in that. Even having someone like me and my mom in the family who have already been through this stuff in a certain mm -hmm. way. So mm -hmm. I'm fascinated with what leads certain people to making the shift. Uh, for sometimes relatively benign symptoms, not in your case, but sometimes it's benign on this show and they're still willing to do it. And then others, you have cancer and they still will not make the changes. So at what point did you say you needed to think outside the box and go away from the Western narrative? Yeah, great question. And I have so much to say about that. Maybe <laughs> another time. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, probably now I'm talking about six, five years ago. Um, I had gone to, I was in and out of the ER with my son. Like my, my child was suffering cause I couldn't be a mom. Like I was completely debilitated, like depressed for days on end. I didn't get out of bed, like felt just like putting the covers over my head. And cause nothing, I was felt like crap. I, nothing was working. They put me on PPIs. They were like, Oh, you have some like some, you know, symptoms that you have low stomach acid, we're going to give you this, you know, all these, like, of course, um, which there's a time and a place for Western medicine. It wasn't that time for me. Um, but they had put me on all these things. And I'm like, I'm not a drug person. Number one, I don't like it. It doesn't react in my body. And so in and out of the ER, I think I want to say like six times. And my husband was just now my husband, he was just like, your fault. Like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. I honestly think I'm going to die. Like I literally had the feeling in my, I was like dark thoughts. Like I feel like I was helpless and it sounds so ridiculous compared to like what other people go through in life. Like it's just the mentality when you're in that space of like trying to heal yourself all these different ways. Cause you know, you need to like get through it for your children. You want to feel better. Like you're just depressed from that alone. Um, and at that point I was like, okay, there has to be a, some other way to like go through this. I didn't know about holistic medicine at the time. And I was talking to my college professor of all people who I love. He's a mentor. He's, um, genius at St. Mary's college. His name is Derek Marks. If you guys go there, go say hi. He's a, um, sports medicine, one of my sports medicine teachers. And he was like, Hey, did you ever hear about this program FDN? I wanted to be, do I wanted to do it forever. Um, you should do it. Like you're science oriented. I graded all your stuff and it was always so deep in like the biochemical sh stuff. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> the chemistry and all that. And he's like, you would go do it, go do it. And then tell me how it is. So I was like, okay. And I think I, that day I called you guys and I talked to Piper and I was like, this is what I'm doing. And she's like, you need to waste exactly zero minutes more and sign up. <laughs> What a closer, baby. I love it. I know, she was so great. And she was so happy. Like, I I just have no words. Like, it was just a universal alignment with the experience of going and calling. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this. 
So I did it. And as I went through the course, I was listening and I did like all the things we were supposed to. And I did the course in like really short amount of time and started my own journey with Jenny Woodward, who basically healed me. Um, so yeah, it was just, I long winded answer of saying when I was in the hospital over and over again and my kid needed me and I couldn't be there is with the day that I decided there's shit needs to change. Sorry again. Yeah. No, no, you're good. It doesn't, I, people do curse on the show. Um, I was kind of just being funny with the good save before I never have either. I forgot, or I just never got to this idea of your origin story with FDN. I never asked that does not ring a bell. So that's really cool that of all people, a freaking professor at a, a college, otherwise normal college is recommending this stuff. And I, I got to hit up Piper and, and ask her for some sales tricks, I guess. Cause I love that. You got to wait zero minutes. You sign up right now. Where's the credit card? Love it. Um, and then man, you got the big dog. So you got Jennifer Woodward after that. That's amazing. Uh, helping you out. And so many people that listen to this probably know her. She's like one of the favorite guests that we have on. So that's very cool that you ended up working with her. And yep. I'm glad everything worked out. And what's interesting about this story is this is not the this is not the first time at all that I've heard something like this where when you get a mom with her kid, they are on a mission, man. Like they will do whatever they have to to figure this out. And I think this sparks this creativity and this relentlessness to I'm going to do everything. I've seen that even with um, <clears throat> on the client perspective. I had a woman and she shares this publicly. She knows I shout her out. She's fine with it. Her name's Kate. And Kate had her firstborn baby. And that's when she took care of her health. She went, I mean, she went from eating fast food McDonald's to food sensitivity testing, farmer's market, gluten-free the next month, lost 34 pounds in one month, no tracking calories. Yeah. Uh, got the thyroid medication down to like nearly nothing. But those moms, man, they're, they're out there. They're ready to do it. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. And going back to the, um, well, do you have anything to say for that? Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I think for me, it was a different mindset, like, because I was an athlete also never had unhealthy history. I was always really on the healthy. So I thought healthy end of things. But when you have a kid, and you're a single mom, and even when you're not a single mom, like, it's so crazy, the that's shift. It's a different mindset. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. They yeah. are. Tracy said moms are fighters. Yes. <laughs> yep. Everyone's a fighter in their own way. But I, I feel like being a mom, it's just a switch in your mindset. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree because I've seen it. It creates a motivation that's just, uh, it's awe-inspiring. It's very cool as a male. I don't know if I'll ever fully get it in that way, but I, I've seen what it can do and it moves freaking mountains, baby. And it makes for some of the best practitioners. It's really cool. Yeah. So with all that said, we kind of have this awesome background on you and, and how you got into all this stuff, which is important. I always like our audience to know that I mean, virtually everyone we bring on, we're, we're really careful to make sure that they've been through their own thing. Because sometimes when you get into the world of like even the functional medicine doctors that they're super well-versed, I mean, God bless them. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing, but sometimes they got into it after because they saw what it would do for clients, but they didn't necessarily go through it themselves. I don't want them to go through it themselves. That's good that they didn't, yeah. but there, it's a different level of connection when we know we're talking to someone who truly understands what it's like to have these health issues and you feel like you're losing your mind. You feel like, I mean, at the extreme, you might die. I definitely know what you mean. A lot of people feel that way. So yeah. on this topic again, then of mental health, uh, where can we even start? Right. Because I know that the situation that you alluded to in your life, I'm sure there was many factors there, but the one factor we can certainly talk about today um, is the lab testing side. So as you get your practice back in gear, I'm sure one of the things you'll want to help then is people maybe dealing with some mental health side of stuff. And, and what does that look like from this functional perspective for those that might be hearing this for the first time and don't even understand it? Oh my God, that's such a broad question. Where do we even start with that? Well, give us something to start with then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So again, um, my focus is going to be for first responders and military personnel um, specifically. So I think for me, what that would look like is just getting my foot in the door to help them believe that there's another way because for their type of benefits, in my experience, like the benefits offered through the companies, like for firefighters and, and police officers isn't typically not covered, covered of, of functional medicine, right? So for me, getting my foot in the door to help them understand that there is another way. And then like from there in educating them on what lifestyle changes could do that are free. For example, filtering your water, uh, you know, eating whole foods, like all the things we talk about in FDN. In terms of labs, um, I think that most importantly for these people who are walking into crazy toxic environments in like just nutso stuff or, or staying at, um, 
you know, army bases or military bases that have horrifically toxic water and environmental components to them and just what they're exposed to uh, both parties on their daily lives. Like, so I definitely think lab wise, a good idea and place to start would be heavy metal toxicity test, uh, mold toxicities test and candida. So like the oat test, I think a gut test would be super important. Um, and of course, you know, maybe some food sensitivities here and there and, and foundational blood work would be like where I personally think would be a good start just to give us kind of like a baseline of yeah. what what we can see of that's going on. But here at FDN, let's reiterate that we never ever treat the test results. We treat the person. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's a good start? No, it absolutely is. I'm more uh, thinking about this broader topic of the first responders and military. I find it fascinating because it's not something I admittedly, admittedly focus on much myself, but yeah. it, it's going to make for an interesting conversation because I think about how did people even get into these positions, specifically the military, like the health conditions, because I've looked it up in the past, and not that I'm a die, I don't come from a military family. It's not like I was literally considering it, but there was a, a time where I was very, I was taking the self help so seriously that I was like very into this mindset thing of like, I want to go do hard stuff. And, you know, there is limitations on what the human body can do. And I yeah. kind of realized, I'm like, I was in a crossroads because I was so sick, like even just doing normal workouts at one point, like at the yeah. gym, it felt terrible. But then I'm seeing these people go through buds training. I'm like, I think I would die if I did that. How do they not? And then you look it up and you realize actually occasionally someone does die doing that, which is horrifying. Yeah. But right. at the same time, they also weed out the weak genetically. And for myself, like I wouldn't even be able to get into uh, the United States military with the diagnoses I've had in the past, uh, namely like Meniere's disease and stuff like that. And the gluten issues, they're going to say you're not even allowed in. So I realized, oh, that's how they do this. They're just weeding out anyone that even has remotely uh, bad problems. And then we're going to do the physicals and make sure you're up to it right now. And then we're going to push it to the limit. So yeah, no, we know it's stress. We know you can't handle this long term. We're finding the bodies that are capable of, you know, still getting hit a little bit because maybe they haven't been getting hit uh, since they were younger or whatever it is. Like, holy crap, this is crazy. You yeah. got the night shift, lack of sleep. So that all aside really quick is someone like you who understands this. Um, let's take the labs out of it for a moment. What is the issue in this broader community of first responders and military in general, like why is this such a problem with the mental health thing? Because it, it really is. Why is the, the like mental health in general such a problem or getting functional healing to be a thing? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> I can guess the latter a little, <laughs> a little easier because, you know, you have those, I think they're very traditional people typically going into those roles and, you know, they don't necessarily um, think in this nerdy way. Not always. I don't want to be too stereotypical. What I mean is, why do you think these groups are struggling so bad with their mental health? Because if I'm not mistaken, there's stats to back this up. Like there's some really serious stuff going on in those communities. Yeah. So again, I really do feel like it's an environment, like uh, uh, mental health, The how do I say this? As a former first responder, um, the obvious answer to that question is they suffer because of what they see. And you are alone on an island unless you have a crew with you that sees the kind of things that they are seeing in the world today. Like running call certain calls as a former first responder, I will never get those out of my head. And the only people that would remotely understand that are the people that I was with that day on that call. We live on an island. Um, so that mental piece is like, I always rest on thoughts are things. Everyone can probably understand that comment in the FTN universe because thoughts really are things. A lot of the work that we would do too is like trauma work and emotional release work and things that are stored in the body. So I think that that's a huge component and not many people do that in this area of people. Um, they don't, they it, talk therapy is huge, of course, because it's normal and it's what we are used to. Um, but there's different forms of emotional and trauma therapy that need to start to to find their way into these industries to help people. And that all coincides again, like going back to their environment, like what is it that's in like firefighters, for example, what's on their uniforms that's just like seeping into their skin. Mm -hmm. And then they go into hundreds of degrees of fire and then it just melts onto their bodies, right? Like what is that doing to their organs? What's that doing to their, the organs that producing all these hormones that are talking to their brains and messing up all the chemistry in the, in the, in the brain. Right. Right. 
So I don't know if that answers the question, but I really feel like for first responders and military specifically, there are so many environmental and toxic factors just with like their jobs every day in and day out that are going like unnoticed, undiscussed, dismissed by the government and dismissed even by the city governments. Um, and then just not talked about uh, on top. So compounding the emotional component. Does that make sense? No, it a hundred percent makes sense. And it, and it answers the question. I think okay. what really got me is what you first said with what they see, because yeah. I, I think common sense would tell someone like if you asked, Hey, do you think, you know, cops, first responders, other people, do they see tough stuff? I think anyone with half a brain would say, yes, it's gotta be tough. But then to realize the weight of it, I've never been in that space, right? Like you. So it's not the same thing for me, but what happened is uh, I'll keep the situation private just for the sake of the family more or less. But I told you on Facebook messenger that recently there was um, a suicide in our area that I was connected with. Not anyone that I loved or family members. It's all good. I'm not saying stuff like that, but it happened recently enough. And thankfully um, I didn't see the aftermath, uh, aftermath of this, but a cop needed to be involved basically to get the door open. And the reason I bring this up in terms of what these people see, Brie, we're talking about small town, local cop, like this is not a particularly exciting area, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very good, very safe area. I'd send Maddie walking around at 4 a.m. Um, and not really worry because there's just not much going on in that sense. Yeah. And yet even him in an area that I perceive to be relatively chill, the the stoicism on his face when he walked out of that room, and this was a, a gentleman who took his life by gun. I might get emotional. I'm just going to warn okay. you. Yeah. And that's okay. It's, I'm sorry in advance. That's okay. He walked out and, you know, his answer was just like, well, instead of going to therapy, this is what this guy chose to do. Yeah. We see it all the time. And I, now if you perceive that comment wrong, it wasn't him being rude or dismissing it. I looked at a man that couldn't accept all of this that he sees on a daily basis. And so the only way to rationalize it was I have to blame it on not getting therapy, put it somewhere else. And I got to just continue on my job. And then he's working night shift yeah. and then he has long hours. And then you got half the country. I'm not saying this in a political way. This has happened on both sides. You got mm -hmm. half the country thinking that most cops are bad when that could not be further from the truth. So that's a, and then you're underpaid on top of it. It's a hell of a job, man. That's a hell of a job. <laughs> and let me tell you a further thing too. Um, and this is coming from also experience in uh, my, one of my dear friends, dear friends who's had military and police experience. He runs one of the academies that are in our area. They do not train a single moment on understanding how to handle mental health, understanding how to support with nutrition to help keep the body healthy. If the mind kind of goes sideways, they train none of that in the Academy. So these young people, some older are going into situations like that. Okay. And then they see them and they see them the first few times is probably like, Oh my God, like, how do I handle this? Again, you're on an Island. You can't tell your wife or husband what you saw. They don't, they'll they will try so hard to understand, but they will never understand. Same for military, right? You're on a kind of a, isolating space in your brain. And, um, you know, that's just not talked about in the academy, what to prepare because you can't prepare for it. But compartmentalization is the only way to get through that over the years. And that sounds like what he was doing. It's like, it was so obvious. Yeah. It was like, whoa, because again, if you don't have I think most people could have picked it up, but having the mental health background for myself, I'm like, no, 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 that's not a guy who's cold and callous. I, the exact opposite. He can't even handle this, which who the hell could? I couldn't. Right. And the only way that he, this is just part of the job. He's going to yeah. have a call two hours later. I'll right back to it. Speeding ticket after that. It's like, whoa, like you got it. I mean, we needed to digest this for a couple <laughs> weeks. Like, He's just, it's a part of his job. And when he said he sees it all the time, it just, it made me think like, okay, you could have the most peaceful town in the world, but this stuff still happens everywhere. And the person you're going to call is the first responders when this happens. So obviously cops are still going to see this even in a very peaceful place. So we, uh, you know, function again, functional labs aside, we can talk that in a second. That's, that's yeah. very important and cool. Where would you recommend as someone who gets this, where would you recommend the line gets drawn if someone's listening today? Because, you know, to be a cop, to be a firefighter, to be in the military, especially the special forces, like the Marines, the freaking Green yeah. Berets, let's be honest, 
you do have to kind of be a tough SOB. Like that's that's present, but you cannot be so closed off that this eats you up inside. So where does the practical line get drawn in your opinion between I'd have to be open about some things, but like this is all the nature of the job is I got to be hard. So what is the fine line there? God, that's a great thought worthy question of I'm thinking as you're talking, because I'm putting myself like I have so many friends in just all these areas. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know. I feel like that line is different for everybody because everybody has a different threshold for, I need to understand in my brain that this is, this is where the I'm, you know, I, everyone has a different threshold for where they draw their own line, right? Like how much they're going to feel comfortable sharing with either their, you know, talk therapist or where they go and like release their pent up energy from that last call or pent up emotion. Like, I don't know where the line is. And that's part of where my mission is coming from. It's like, where, where, at what point am I going to break down my clients to the point where they can finally release that emotion and let it out and and then we then we can start the work that's what my part of my mission is like i know some of the toughest toughest sobs as you put it and none of like i've been able to get through maybe two of them and where they to the point where they've actually wept from my personal experience and, and i don't know how much time we have but from my personal specific experience that just happened that was a suicide this person was this person had a number of different personality issues right so again like let's consider these people also have personality disorders or personality issues that they're battling like narcissism maybe because as a result of all of these things they just don't want to see that any of anything is like it's a way for them to block out the world and not accept responsibility right like and that probably is stemming from some serious stuff that they've had to go through and see right like there's probably some other you know personality things that are affecting i'm generalizing keep in mind i'm not trying to say anything that's triggering at all i hope to god i'm not coming from a good place in my specific scenario there were things that were just not i was not able to get through i was just not no matter what i did no matter how hard i tried it was so far into the person's like mentality that that this person identified with PTSD identified with like, I'm the victim, but I'm not at the same time, you know, like it, he, he was suffering and it was, and you could do nothing. You can do nothing for people in the state of mind. It, it's, it's such a helpless feeling. So if I could get him to a point where there was a line to be even drawn, I think we could have saved his life. Okay. And so I don't know what that line is. I just hope to God that everybody that we work with um, that's in this space can have the courage and the open mind enough to know and to trust somebody to get them to that line. And then we could start to separate out like, okay, this is my job. This is where I need to be strong, but this is the place where I can feel safe. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And just so you know, I mean, I mean this genuinely from an audience perspective, I would a thousand times as as technically as much as I am a host and also an audience audience member in a sense, I would a thousand times rather someone just be straight up with us and say, I don't know the answer to this specific. I really don't. I'm sorry. Um, well, and I think that's actually comforting in a sense, because guess what? The rest of us don't know either. So it's yeah. like, okay, even the person that's in this is still trying to figure this out. And then we can all come up with a different solution. I'm thinking in my head, like, again, someone who's relatively ignorant to this stuff and this specific topic, you know, really the line should have been before they ever went out into combat or saw these things that, like you said, they're not prepared with it when they're training. It should have been then to let them know this is going to happen. This is part of your job. And yes, there are going to be times if you're on the battlefield, no, that's not the time for the therapist. I get that. We got to push through. We're in war right now. But after you get back that we got to unpack and unprocess. So I'm just making this up. But I think since that's never even really, it it doesn't seem like that's ever put out there before they go into battle, whether it's the battle of a cop, the battle of a firefighter, the battle of the military member, it doesn't seem like that's ever um, prefaced, like that this is going to happen. Let's make sure we're on top of it when it does. Because I don't think that people, like I said, I don't think that you can put words to 
the level of true emotion that are felt in those experiences. And yes, maybe they're in the middle of a battle Mm -hmm. and maybe that isn't the time for the therapist, but guess what? People are going to break down in those moments, right? Like, so I just don't know that we can put our thumb on a line because it is different for everyone. So I, I agree with what you said though. I definitely think that the line that we're talking about should be like in training before you even get out to the field. But again, like the people that are teaching these people have lost track of the line because they've gone and seen- They've been through it too. Right? And and they dealt with it the way that knew they knew how, the way that society has prepared them to do. And that is tough luck, buck up. Actually, I'll share this with you. Somebody, I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody, it stuck with me. Somebody said, depression is a luxury. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, that is super triggering for some people. Some some people would probably be like, a guy, you know, like what? Like it's not a luxury. I'm struggling. Some people would be like, wow, he makes a really good point. Where does this come from? But things like that, like depression is a luxury. For some people, depression is a luxury. They can sit there and feel their feelings. Other people can't feel their feelings. Other people, it's too late and it's way past depression. Right. So like Again, I still come back to, I, I think everyone's line is different and it should be in training, but even the trainers who are training don't know how to draw the line and don't know how to describe exactly what they're walking into. And maybe right. we start there. That's a really good point. I was I was kind of thinking that while you were talking, I'm like, oh, well, duh, because you know the training and the experiences are so brutal that if you somehow make it to the other side, like let's say you're a BUDS instructor, right? For the Navy SEALs. <laughs> You're taught, not only are you a tough SOB, I mean, you're like, you're borderline shut off at that point. And now there's probably, I would imagine this odd projection because you're kind of putting other humans through what you went through, right? So now you're subjecting them to it. It's like, it's a very odd place to be. And and speaking of that, I wanted to go back to one thing that you said, because I understand fully that it was probably more theoretical, but I'm curious if you believe that you've actually seen this anecdotally. You brought up this idea of narcissism um, in the sense that it seems the person's empathy has shut off. So Again, I understand it's theoretical. We're not going to quote you for a scientific study. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Are you suggesting then that you've seen people that you believe otherwise were probably psychologically normal at one point and as a defense mechanism, maybe even as a young or uh, moderately aged adult had to like shut off empathy just to get through this kind of stuff? I honestly believe that that was the case. I honestly, and actually it's funny that as I said that, it clicked in my own experience that that might have been what happened because when you lose someone to suicide in the direct in the direct family anyone really like it's and you probably can relate and many people can but it's a constant thought process after the fact especially with you're dealing with the emotions of the family members but it's constant like asking questions like what could have done what could i have done differently what could i have done better how could i have helped this person what happened what did i miss what could i have done over the years where did this begin like there's thousands and thousands even a year and a half after it's like i'm still asking these questions so your question is you know are you suggesting that narcissism is a defense mechanism that's shut off empathy i i genuinely feel in my heart that that may be an option for you know narcissistic behavior in this category of people yeah perhaps i would love to have the conversation and see what other people think i don't know yeah well and that's why i mean the word fun is not the right word it's interesting to play with because i, I think that's actually very valid in the sense that i I'm not a psychology major or anything, but I've always found it fascinating. I do study it to a degree. And when you look at antisocial personality disorder traits, for example, we do know that there's a subset of the population that they're born with it. You literally can see it as a kid. It's very scary. It's not good. Um, And we don't fully understand that, but we have an idea like the brain structure is different, whatever. Then you can see other people that get, and this was kind of loosely from my understanding how um, the term psychopathy and sociopathy used to be, and I don't think they actually define it this way anymore, but psychopathy used to be, hey, this is born. Sociopathy was, oh, this is created. And the point of me saying that is if a lack of empathy, we already know in some cases can be created by traumatic childhood experiences, who Mm -hmm. is to say that a 20-year-old or a 22-year-old that has a traumatic experience that's especially some of the most severe ones cannot also develop that same thing as a defense mechanism? Um, i never ever share this. It was honestly one of my good friends though, someone I was very close to uh, who had passed away a while ago now, drugs. 
he, I, Bree, I know, swear on my life that that kid was normal at one point because I knew him when we were like five, six years old in kindergarten. I know he was normal. And then the stuff that he started doing because of the abuse that he suffered, like he, he tricked me. I didn't even know how bad the stuff was until later. Right. But you can't fake that at five years old. I'm, I'm not a PhD, so maybe I'm wrong, but a five-year-old, you would see the callousness you think and the lack of empathy. They wouldn't have learned how to navigate the world socially yet as many psychopaths do. I know something went wrong after five and before 22 that led to him not being able to properly feel for others. So I think you're onto something with that. Um, if you see these things that the empathy shuts off, not because you're a piece of crap, the exact opposite. You have such yeah. a big heart that the only defense mechanism is that. Exactly. And I think that it's fascinating talking about this because genetics also play a huge role. So maybe we go back to the labs and we say, okay, well, let's look at the genetics of the human being, right? That So maybe that's part of our original assessment. What does the genetic makeup look like? Now, I am very acutely aware that genes are not definitive. Like they do not define you. They are just the, what do we say? That they're the, we load, they load the gun. They load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. Yeah. Right? So maybe we look at nutrigenomics, like or nutri what's that word? Is it nutrigenomics? Nutri yeah, okay. That was correct, yeah? Yeah, okay. Um, like, but, right, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> I'm smart, I guys, I promise. I know how to do it. Um, but yeah, you know, like, what if, what if we look at that stuff? Like, that's a huge component that nobody freaking talks about in your academy as the police department. Like, nobody in their right mind is going to take the time to talk about your nutrigenetics, nutrigenomics, all the things. Nobody's talking about that. Like, nobody talks about your genetic makeup and what your DNA looks like. Nobody talks about your poop sample and how that can help you. You know, like... That's such a good... Cool, that's a brilliant point. I mean, we... Again, we're already screening them for diseases. Like, again, I would not qualify just because of the Meniere's disease and stuff. So what if we did figure out... Because I think that's very valid. And even if it was just a risk factor, not an ultimatum, still, oh. why would we play with those people? What if we did know, genetically speaking, using the nutrigenomics, that you have an 80% chance of getting PTSD if you see this in war, where this other person, yes, they're going to have to go to therapy, but for whatever reason, they are able to somehow rationalize this or manage this a little better um, because of something that's made up. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's really right. interesting. Right. And that's the mission is like, how can we get functional medicine and functional lab work and DNA testing and genetic understanding into the beginning of the process of screening our military, screening our firefighters, screening our police department people. These people are on the streets protecting us, going into our homes, protecting our families, fighting for freedom, fighting for themselves. How, like how are we're screening them through Western medicine? Awesome great. There's a time and a place for that. But if we could just add this layer of protection for, from like, for lack of a better term, right? Add this layer, not only for the individual's understanding of themselves better and how they could try to mitigate what potentially could turn that, that switch on. And they just shift like your friend, mm -hmm. you know, what triggers that there's something that triggers that. What is it? If we know what we could do to prevent that, and we add and incorporate functional medicine and FDN into the initial sequence of understanding how to get into these professions, I feel like we could do a hell of a lot more than we are to prevent suicide. Wow. That might be the uh, one of the most interesting points of the show today, which is saying something because this has been great. The it, When I look at the friend that I was referencing that I, I just know something went wrong. I know something went wrong. Right. Well, he had an older sibling and a younger sibling. Now, all of them ended up doing uh, less than favorable things, but it was completely unique to them. It was different. Some were, again, callous towards other people. Some were more hurtful towards themselves. Others just made risky behaviors that they're otherwise good people, but they were doing things very stupid illegally and got themselves in trouble. So yeah, when you bring in this genetic component, I'm not suggesting that because there's an age difference, there's a different time. I'm not suggesting that their experience was identical because it wasn't. But yeah. generally speaking, they lived in the same house. They kind of had the same abuse going on. And yet all three react badly, but very differently in the way that it was bad. So I think there's something there that we just haven't figured out yet. And my gosh, if we figure that out, holy crap, we'll uh, help a lot of people. With our last bit of time here, Brian, this isn't, uh, you don't need to rush. I'm just saying, uh, just so we have an idea. What other things would be a good idea to screen people with potentially as this, you know, hopefully 
to, uh, becomes more mainstream. The genetic thing makes a ton of sense to me if we can understand that further. But I'm almost wondering, like, even a hormone test, because if you're about to go do night shift constantly or sleep four hours a day, probably mm-hmm. good to know where that's at beforehand to see if you're putting yourself at unnecessary risk. So that's something that's coming to the top of my head. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what other testing you'd like to see done preventatively or proactively before they're even out there. Yeah, no, great question. Just so just to summarize, I, I don't think I said hormone before. Um, but just to summarize, I think genetics is a really good place to start. I think uh, the hormones, as you just mentioned, I think um, looking at an oat test, so the gut, uh, so the mold toxicity, heavy metal testing, and some gut testing would be a great place to start. In addition to that, honestly, and, and this might be a push, and it might be really tough to do because it takes more time and time is money in the government's eyes, right? So if you're going to a government job, time is money. But I would really love to see, and it's not per se a test, but just an extensive family history or like history, health history, any of the histories, but like more so than we already do. Because like you're saying, again, they all raised in the same house. They all had some similar upbringings. They all started doing similar things, but different, right? And had different outcomes. But like, if we could have known that, let's say they were going into some sort of experience in the military or first responder, like if we could know that stuff, then maybe we'd be better prepared to handle it on the back end or even when we're discovering it before they enter the the field. Yeah. Um, so in terms of testing, like I'm not, I'm again, we look at the whole person. My, my mission is to look at the whole person, not like just based on testing. So blood chemistry, I don't think I said, but I think those would be like the basic tests that we'd like to have and push into like a regular like requirement for this group of people. I think that'd give us a super great starting point, just knowing their toxic loads, understanding if they've been exposed to mold because mold can, can, all of it can do crazy things to us, right? All of it, including mental health. Um, And then, you know, just, the history. If we have a history of personality disorders or things that we've been seeing in our lifetime, like from, you know, trauma, experience, traumatic experiences, that'd be helpful to know. <laughs> yeah. You've mentioned uh, that one a couple times and we, we do have time for this question. So don't worry. Okay. Are you, you mentioned the personality disorder specifically a couple of times. Is that something that you believe is like overrepresented in people who get into these uh, careers or was that just more of a personal thing? And that's why you're mentioning it. Honestly, I didn't even notice I was mentioning it, but it comes to mind, of course, subconscious, uh, subconsciously, I, I guess. Um, but I think when I'm saying that, and, and I don't don't think it's necessarily personality disorder because uh, I'm thinking when I'm saying it of um, PTSD, so not necessarily the same thing. And narcissist does come to mind, but like I was just thinking subconsciously. I think of what we were talking about earlier. About like PTSD and like things that have happened traumatically to people that are like. Are, they're already kind of in that direction of the PTSD. And I don't even think they're using PTSD anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think I the new, uh, there's a new like category of what that means now. And I don't think they're, I don't you think things like every year I got, I can't keep up. <laughs> I know. Same. So I'm just going to say that as an umbrella. And I just want to say too, as a disclaimer, I hope that something or anything that I've said today hasn't offended you or anyone else uh, by generalizing and saying really heavy things like PTSD, like trauma, like uh, all that stuff. Like, I I don't want to offend anyone. This, this is just from personal experience. So, no, you know what? Listen, and I, maybe this isn't encouraging. I'm not sure. But I've learned this in the public speaking stuff. I, I mean, Brie, if you put yourself out there to 10 people, let alone 100 or 1,000 or whatever, you can say... I have, I mean this seriously, I have done speeches where, and it's a mental health speech. I have done a speech where some kid claimed that this saved their life. Now I believe we save our own lives, but that's besides the point. And then another kid was completely offended and upset in the therapist's office. Same conversation, same speech, two different things. And so the point is, Jordan Peterson says this brilliantly. He says, in order to think you have to risk being offensive. Um, And I think this is where intention matters. And Even if someone was upset by something that you said, the idea that anyone could look at you or listen to you in this and say, oh, this is a person with bad intentions um, is asinine. I I don't know how anyone could interpret it that way. So you cannot like what someone says, but still understanding that they have good intentions. There are plenty of things uh, that are said to me that meet those exact criteria. And when we think about the intentions of where someone's coming from, I think that's when we can actually deepen understanding as humans instead of just going into defensive and judgmental mode. So uh, I would be shocked to find that someone perceived these things that way today. So don't worry. Uh, Last quick question, if you don't mind, uh, would you... 
uh, think it's like favorable to do things like EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, neurofeedback? Do you do things like, not you personally, but do you recommend things like that? Yes, I highly recommend that being a part of someone's protocol. I think it's insanely helpful. It gives them tools that they probably wouldn't have had before. And it also like just on the topic of other additional free, that's not free, but free-ish things is deep breathing, ice baths. Like these are things that are protocol related, like that can take the nervous system into a whole new different experience, right? And that's what we're trying to do ultimately is is shift the nervous system from fight or flight into rest and digest, right? Uh, and learn how to do that in stressful situations, essentially. Yeah. Um, so yes, all those things are great. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say, I can't remember how well. <laughs> and, you know, we were just so you guys know that are listening and watching, we were kind of joking off air because, you know, anyone when you do a podcast, myself included, as normal as it seems for me, you always get nervous. That's, that's something that happens. And we were joking about, oh, well, you know, there's 270 episodes, so it can't be the best and it can't be the worst. But Bree, what this was today, um, and I, I mean this quite seriously, obviously, for a specific group of people, uh, this was the best. Right. Oh. You know, it's the best for everyone. No, of course not. But some people don't even get this. But for the people that need this, man, uh, this is top tier. So uh, thank you. Where can those people find you if they'd like to work with someone like you that has such an intimate understanding of this stuff? Oh, gosh, intimate is a strong word. But you know what? If we touched even just one person today, I, I, my job can be done. But mm -hmm. if it's not done yet, you can also find me on social media. I, I'm not super heavy on social media, but uh, it's un at underscore roots health underscore. And then my website, just rootshealthandwellness.com. Beautiful. And last thing really quick, it's the signature question on the show, um, but I'd like to switch it today just because this has been such a, a specific topic, if you don't mind. And we thank you, Tracy, for sharing that below. Um, we'll have that on the screen for you guys and in the show notes if you're, excuse me, listening on audio. Um, I want to switch up the question a little bit because normally it's like, what's the one thing we'd get people to do for their health? Uh, but I'm just feeling called. I think it's more relevant today. Uh, the question I'd like to ask you is if there is one thing that you'd like someone like me, a lay person who's not a first responder, doesn't have any in their family, uh, to know about first responders, military, stuff like that. What's the one thing you'd all just want us to know? I want you all to know, that's a great question. I hate that we're live because I can't think about it the way I'd want you to. Can't take your, take your time. At the same time, I'd say, uh, honestly, I'd say just, just remember that we're also human. <laughs> Like, yes, our job is to, and I say our, but it was like a total past life for me. I shouldn't give myself that honor. Um, I think that people that do this job, just remember that they also have emotions and sometimes aren't perfect and sometimes break down and are triggered when they see things just as much as the normal human being is as strong as they need to be in certain scenarios. They still deal with it. And also the last, the next thing is, is remember that these people have families and their children have to deal with these, hmm. these emotions as well. And so just be kind. Some people are not kind. Just be kind. Yes. Please. Excellent. You're definitely kind. You're, you're leading the way with that. Excellent <laughs> perspective. Uh, excellent episode. Thank you so much for finally coming on with me. I think this was well worth the wait. Oh my God. I'm, no, it was my honor. It was totally my honor. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be back.